Welcome to Chaotic Harmony. My name is John. This is Crystal. I'm Mark. I'm Zoe. We talk about the joys and the challenges of teaching music in the elementary school classroom. We share inspiration. We share struggles. We brainstorm solutions. We would love to have you join us. And today, we're going to be talking about growing pains within a music program. And so, as educators, we are constantly asked to do things that we might not be particularly trained to do, but we're asked to do it and to yes. do it well. Yes. I'm sure you've all experienced this at some point in your career. Oh, yes. So my first question for y'all is just, let's get a base kind of foundation. And what are the areas that you are you feel comfortable, like you're trained in? Like those are areas that you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can start. So um, I got my undergraduate in double bass performance. So I do feel like I can teach a bass lesson fairly um, easily, Mm -hmm. I guess, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I feel like so I uh, even despite the fact that I started on the flute um, in college, I picked up. Well, actually, no. My senior year of high school, I indulged myself in choir, and I kind of just joined the dark side, leaving band behind, and just went towards choir. And since then, I've very much been... <laughs> Crystal's just showing the whole drawing, and yes. Um, I've been really into... Uh, I can do choir. I can teach choir. Um, especially at, at an elementary level, uh, where you do a mixture of... Sometimes you just got to teach by rote, but sometimes you work on teaching music theory because as a music composition major, you have to know a good amount of theory. So mm-hmm. I feel like choir is has grown to be my forte. Mm-hmm. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm really comfortable teaching voice because that's my specialty. I'm pretty confident I could take any group of kids anywhere and give them a half hour voice lesson, you know. Um, and uh, because of the number of years that I spent working with really small children, I feel like I could totally riff a lesson with little kids or um, or Monsphere special ed. Like I could do half an hour without looking at any material, especially if I have a guitar and a scarf. Mm. Mm-hmm. Guitar scarf. You should put a scarf on your guitar. Guitar? Oh. Guitar. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, brass instruments were kind of where I felt most comfortable teaching. Um, I've been playing trumpet for many years, and so um, I picked up trombone along the way, and I can teach French horn um, at an elementary level as well. But mm-hmm. just that was kind of my wheelhouse, mm-hmm. you know, kind of moving forward. Um, now that we've kind of established that base around us, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm curious as to... In your teaching career, it could have been within the last year mm. or within the last few years, what is uh, what is something that you've been asked to do or to have ready that you've had little to no experience Ooh, doing? Crystal. Miss Crystal. Yeah, teach strings. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to teach strings. Oh, really? Am I? Yeah, I think I touched a string instrument for uh, a semester in strings methods 12 years ago. Nice. And uh, had to dust that textbook off in order to make it happen. Also, Mimi's Zweig saved my rear end. Um, this yep. year, she uh, she has a bunch oh. of beginning strings uh, lessons on YouTube, and she is amazing. And uh, yeah, got me through my first <laughs> month as a strings teacher. I didn't know she was on YouTube. Yeah. I got to find that now. Okay. Good stuff. Yes. Um, I was asked to do a choir last year, mm-hmm. but it's turned out to be like my joy. Uh, awesome. nice. So I love, I love that now. Oh gosh. And recorders. And, or if it's <laughs> oh, like, recorders. it's like, you know, one of the kind of crux. Yeah. 
it's one of the pillars of the religion of yeah yeah for sure yes you mean you you weren't excited to teach hot cross buns still haven't (laughs) taught it in fact (laughs) i feel like for me it's since I went from my my goal initially was to teach at a collegiate level, then I went to high school and now down to elementary. I feel like everything I've taught every year has been something new, something new I've had to tackle. Um, starting with the teaching safety patrol, <laughs> but that's not for music <laughs> education. Uh, sometimes you just got to do different things to be a music educator, though. Even doing a safety patrol, but beyond that, um, I I started with band. I started with flute. And so when I was presented what I wanted to do for the VH1 Save Music, which ensemble I wanted to pick up, I decided band would not just be good for the culture of our school. I mentioned in an earlier episode that um, my school is very sports heavy, so I thought, you know, band would be great to exemplify or add on to it. But also, since I have had a band background, been playing flute since seventh grade, I thought it'd be okay. Thing is, though, when you learn flute, that transfers to nothing. <laughs> so I had to learn. That's true. It is true. The Amish is very different. And so, like, I had to le- learn the clarinet. Had to learn the... <laughs> you pretty much are using the same amount of air as a tuba. But uh, learn, I learned the clarinet, all the reed instruments, all the brass instruments. It was, it's been a slow process, but it's been something I've had to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with the recorder. Even though I played recorder, grow, you know, well, sixth grade, maybe something. I don't know when. Um, it's different teaching it. How do you, you know, and so every single thing I've had to teach, be it recorder, band, it's like, oh, it's been something, every new, every year something new I have to teach. I feel mm-hmm. like I have to learn how to teach it. Yeah. Yeah. Because also it's not just enough to know, to have the knowledge of playing it. It's the knowledge of then showing it to the class. Oh yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's great. Um, for those of you who don't know, who might not have played flute, you lose about half your air when mm-hmm. you play flute. And so half of the air goes to the instrument and kind of making those vibrations and the other half just goes into the universe or the person in front of you (laughs) or the person in front of you so my question for you guys follow up is when you learned that you had to teach this thing whether it be recorder whether it be strings whether it be other band instruments what was kind of your thought process and what did you immediately do to kind of prepare to teach these students who have no training, but kind of look to you as the, well, you have, like, you know all the answers. So, like, mm-hmm. what 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 were the steps that you took to prepare yourself to teach this relatively new or brand new thing? I'm going to be vulnerable for, for a second. Please. Oftentimes, the very first time, I shot from the hip. I did, I tried things out, mm-hmm. thinking that, okay, maybe I can adapt to the situation. Mm-hmm. And then I feel I realized, okay, I know this much, I don't know this much. And then I tried to find a resource. For example, teaching clarinet, I understood the basics, but then I realized, okay, no, I need to learn how to be good at this myself, not just understand the basics. So I, fortunately, one of my roommates, he plays both clarinet and trombone, and then mm-hmm. boom, boom, got that out of the way. So I've been learning through him. But um, ultimately, it started out, okay, it's a testing of how much do I know. And fortunately, that also means that the kids get a certain level of education before I then understand how much I know to then see find out resources to bolster mm-hmm. that up. Sure. Mm-hmm. I know with the, the recorders, I just like asked you on um, Twitter. I think I, mm. yeah, I just was like, uh, how do I teach recorder? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
And then for the, and that was very helpful. Thank you, John. I I did the blowing bubbles mm. and different things that you can do before they even have a recorder in their hands. And Mariki helped me out with the dirters. And yeah, mm-hmm. thank you for that. Can you explain to oh, those sure. people who might not know what a dirter what is? is? Dirter. <laughs> dirter. Yeah. So David Thaxton uh, introduced us to this um, teaching tool called a dirter, where you um, cut down a PVC pipe. Uh, and then you mm. drill holes to like an approximate, um, I don't know, uh, finger spacing, yeah. finger yeah. spacing. Thank you to a recorder, yeah. uh, but minus the head joint, and so you, there's no air involved. It's just practicing the fingering. Mm-hmm. Is there an etymology behind dirter? Do we know what dirter comes from? I'm just curious. David Daxton's brain. Okay. <laughs> Does that surprise and me? It's a wonderful thing. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, uh, I did, I, I, like I said, I dusted off my textbook, um, and I definitely did some YouTube searching and I also, um, leaned a lot on the strings players that we have some really fabulously trained strings players, like this mm-hmm. amazing person sitting next to me right here and Zoe and Lori Casimiro, um, really saved me that first year especially it was like any question i had i knew that i could ask it and get a non-judgmental very helpful answer the first year and i um i was so nervous about teaching things like bow holds and Mm, how to hold your your instrument i was just so terrified that my kids were going to get to middle school and their teachers would be like who was your teacher (laughs) and she didn't know anything and um i you know the the fortunate thing is that kids come not knowing anything and so you can you know you stay one step ahead of them Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's all you need to be um and i've i i'm getting there myself um yeah i every chance i get to learn alongside the kids with like opus project i try to crash and uh and play with them but i'm a beginning player myself i'm also really honest with them and i'll tell them that i'll say hey my training is in voice and in alto saxophone it is not in a string instrument so i'm learning right along with you guys and i think they appreciate that that's good okay Mm -hmm. Um, one thing that you said, Crystal, that I that I appreciate is you saying like when they go on to further endeavors in music, mm-hmm. it's like, well, who taught you? Yeah. yeah. But like you have that goal, like this student or these students are going to be continuing in music, mm-hmm. and so like it's just not even a thought process. Like right. it's not even a thought that they're not going to continue music, but rather this, they're going to be continuing music, and I want to make sure that I lay this, you know, this foundation or I lay this, you know, these beginning steps for them where they're comfortable and they know what they're doing. So when they get to that next level, that teacher can then continue to mold them into better musicians. And not have to undo mistakes. Right. So that's, that's been a big one. Um, Charlie Wolf is a, um, is a teacher down here in San Diego too. He does a lot of strings repairs. And so he was in my room helping me because the VH1 instruments came with um, some corks and uh, they had to be worked out. We had a lot of, sound posts that were falling down and um just did different you know uh brand new string instrument issues and it, nothing would stay in tune my parents came over and helped me tune all 40 <laughs> instruments for my like goodness. two months every day before the strings stretched um and he spent um a good a good hour with me uh, giving me some bow hold ideas exercises mm. um to get them started because we'd been playing for about two months and i was afraid to give them a bow mm. so yeah yeah that bow hold is intimidating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the ultimate thing is just being willing to be humble enough to ask. Yes. Sure. Right. That's Openness. the key thing. I remember yeah. my first right. year, I just was so like, oh gosh, what's going on? Unfortunately, I ran into 
the wife of Michael Gray, Emily Gray, was uh, mm-hmm. working at my alma mater. And then she referred me to her husband who was working at the same district. And if it wasn't for that, I would never have received the um, first steps by John Fire Robin, which was the first, at least a good foundation for me to then branch off of. And then if I didn't reach out to other people, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have. I, shooting from the hip is not something I advise. It's mm-hmm. something I do. It's not something I should do. Oh, we all do it. Yeah. yeah. If we're being Seriously. honest, yeah. we all do it. And you know what? Can I? Can we talk for a second about imposter syndrome? Because it's a real thing mm-hmm. where we all feel like like we we should know all the answers, mm. but we actually don't. And and it's like this feeling of you know just wait till somebody finds out. <laughs> <They'll> <laughs> right. know what a fraud I am. Um, but it's it's not a helpful mindset. And and whenever I think whenever we react like um, you know who do they think they are trying to give me advice? That's coming from a place of fear right. of being found out right, and i remember right. um uh um dr dally now um at point lomo back when he was a uh high school um director he was working at point lomo high school um i did some field work with him and uh and i asked him he was only a couple of years into teaching mm-hmm. and i asked him how has it been you know taking over because he took over that program very young mm-hmm. and uh, and he said you know my first year teaching i felt like a balloon and like somebody was going to find the needle mm-hmm. <laughs> you know and yeah. i was just on pins and needles myself like waiting for it and he said and every year i teach i kind of feel like the balloon's getting filled with sand and I, 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 so I think of that often and I feel like that's how I'm feeling these days with my strings program. Like we've got about 25% sand in there now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think that that's like you, that's such a good point of mm-hmm. just that fear of, well, they're going to know that I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh-huh. And like, uh, that's a really crippling thing for a teacher. Yeah. I think. And just having that that constant fear over your head well like well i'm gonna i'm a fraud but rather than asking for help or just leaning on just super basic Mm -hmm. like if you lay like you know what my band kids can play five notes or my string kids can hold the instrument properly and that's Mm -hmm. maybe all they can do yeah but you know isn't that better than having to go back and reteach everything like i know for me personally um trumpet's what i started off in sixth grade and i was able to fake my way until college Mm -hmm tonguing i didn't know how to tongue properly and i i faked my way and so i would use my air to to stop and to separate notes and not use my tongue properly well when i got to college my private teacher saw that real quick and Mm -hmm. was like nope you got to learn how to tongue and it's something that i i continue to have to be super mindful today even when i'm practicing trumpet and just being making sure like i'm using my tongue and like i had to relearn how to play and how to change my embouchure and all these other things that had you know my teacher been a little bit more aware had i just asked for help Mm -hmm. i could have saved you know myself years or a year of private lessons and focused more on other things Mm -hmm. yeah and unhelpful coping mechanisms yeah absolutely yeah you know and music teachers are asked to do this crazy thing uh where we take our teaching and put it on stage to be judged in front of an entire community (laughs) and administration multiple times a year um and i think that a lot of our fear comes from that it's like i have to put my kids on stage and they have to perform and then my teaching is going to be assessed by whatever Mm -hmm. the kids do not just that but Mm -hmm. also you're showcasing this in front of people that understand what a CD music sounds like, right. what a, a product sounds like of an adult who's worked X amount of years and, and not, has digital editing on their side. Has digital editing, has, mm-hmm. you know, 
professional tutoring alongside as well. They、mm-hmm. don't understand how. Well, oftentimes they don't understand how the sausage is made.、Mm-hmm. And to showcase that to principals, maybe you have a very understanding principal. Maybe you don't. Maybe you have a very supportive admin. Maybe you don't. But ultimately, oftentimes they don't understand how it's made, and、mm-hmm. that's a very scary process.、It、but I, I also want to place a little caveat. All of us are being vulnerable right now. I do want to. If you don't know who we are, if this for your first time listening to us. I can say each of these guys are phenomenal teachers who、mm-hmm. who can create not just a good product but also a great program as well.、Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, we all have thriving programs. Yes,、um, but、I've, but we struggle, and I want to acknowledge、yes. that everybody,、right. even the most successful person, struggles, and、mm-hmm. it's getting through that struggle and not giving up in the middle of it. And I want to make sure that I end the whole performance,、um, you know, thread on the positive note because I've. I've decided that the best course of action for my program is to take an informants approach、um, to as many concerts as possible.、Um, so instead of just here is the twinkle twinkle little star and we、mm-hmm. will play it imperfectly on our violins, first we will explain to you step by、hmm. step. This is how we hold it. This is why we do things the way we do. These are the steps that it took to get there, and、um, we lead them through、um, you know the, the entire process from beginning to end. These are the skills your children are learning. These are the muscles we're building. This is where we're going. Um, and I have the kids explain it, because again,、uh, like I said before、uh, in a previous episode, I do as little talking during performances as possible. Because、sure. parents don't care what I say. Yeah, the kids care. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think that's a great transition into kind of looking at where you were,、mm-hmm. and then not just kind of living in that, but actually、mm-hmm. learning from that and looking at it as a positive. Like you know, like for me personally, this last year I directed a musical. First time in my life, never done any musical theater, never done anything in that realm before. And looking back on it, there were a lot of mistakes that I made,、mm-hmm. just a ton. Like I didn't schedule enough rehearsals, I didn't like use our rehearsal time appropriately, I didn't schedule enough time for blocking. But looking at what what ended up happening was that I had a group of about twenty two kids. They got on stage, they sang in front of their peers, they acted. Minimally, but they acted、mm-hmm. in front of people, and they put on a musical, and that's great. And so, kind of looking at this, because I don't want us ever, like even listeners, to get stuck in this thing, like, oh well, I don't know how to do this, and I'm terrible at it, so I'm just going to live in this kind of negative feeling about whatever my situation is. But what have you learned from that?、Mm-hmm. So, like,、mm-hmm. whether it's learning how to teach other band instruments or record or strings, like. Using those growing pains in a way like how can you spin that in a positive? How can you look at it positively? And then just to kind of tack on to that, how can you use what you've learned and implemented that going forward? Because、mm-hmm. you're never going to teach something perfectly. There's always a different way to teach it. But how can you use what you've learned and the mistakes that you made to improve your craft, improve your teaching, and improve you know students? Yeah. So, po- so action steps. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Well, I definitely think、uh, you gotta not do it alone ever,、mm. ever, ever, and that is the common theme of this podcast. That's why we're together right now.、Um, <laughs> we lean on each other a lot. We get、yeah. together a lot, and we we have scheduled monthly professional development with our district, and I'm grateful for it. But we get together a lot more than just that. We、mm-hmm. get together on random Saturdays. We have ORF parties. We go to conferences. We、um, we get together in each other's music classrooms. We watch each other teach. We unpack the lessons together. And because we have each other,、um, you know, I'm not a fabulous string player, but Miss Kumagai sure is. Jeez, <laughs> and so she can help me.、Um, and I've I've been able to, you know, help other people with the ORF process or with、uh, getting kids to project their voices. We need each other, so、mm-hmm. reach out. Yeah, get yourself some music teacher buddies, man. 
Yeah, I think um, something that I've tried to remind myself is like the initial goal is not always the final product Mm. Um, and just like being okay with adjusting expectations Uh, like with the recorders I had like picked out like five songs with Mm -hmm. B.A.G. that I thought they could learn in one quarter this is second second graders and they learned half of one but it's something I mean it was it was testing season mm-hmm. we hit testing season and Oof. they were just mm-hmm. I saw them at the very end of the day and mm-hmm. literally one one little one was started crying when Aww. I passed out the recorder she said I'm so tired Miss Kuma. I, I can't Aww. I can't do this today and then I so I was like looking for movement and recorder activities and yeah. that's what stuck I we got out hula hoops and they had to like stand in the hula hoops to show like one person and one hula hoop is a be you know yeah yeah Yeah. richard lawton's really good at that they're looking for more yeah yes and he'll share freely shout out to richard has a a couple of really great ones that i use in my classroom sure yeah Mm -hmm. i think just sorry just so i can understand the question you're asking it's like yeah you're asking essentially how do we recap it yeah so the question (laughs) just kind of is what have you learned through this experience and through this time of not knowing right. and like mm-hmm. how have you implemented what you've learned into kind of changing your teaching style mm-hmm. so that as you move forward your future students receive kind of a more re- polished a yes. more refined version what crystal and zoe have shared is very on point i want to add on write things down mm-hmm. yeah that is so important the fact i see 500 kids in a week mm-hmm and it's easy for me to, okay, I'm doing this class now. I have to get ready for the next class. But I, if I don't have time to actually jot down my notes, I will forget what is to come. I will forget what the self-reflection. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But not just that, but also like the self-reflection of how we can improve. Also, mm-hmm. um, one thing that I, um, that I didn't knew this year was I decided to, I've never worked with strings ever. But um, for a piece we were doing, we did a, I got some alumni to create a str- uh, string quartet. And I was learning on the spot. So the first day, definitely I was shooting from the hip. But I needed to write down the parts. I needed to write down how it was going to happen also. And this might sound like basic teacher um, etiquette, for lack of a better term. But Mm -hmm. it's important that when we are in the trenches to remember, hey, I know we got a lot on our plate. Pause. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Right. Yeah. Write it down. Write it down. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now we can move on. Yeah, and then you can access it next year mm-hmm. and stop reinventing yourself every single year. Yes. Right. Um, this year, I actually took the time to really map out my scope and sequence because I feel like my kids are at a skill level now where we're actually grade level appropriate um, mm. for the skills that they should cool. have. So Congratulations. Thank you. Mm-hmm. It's been a long build. Um, here we are going into year four, and we're where we ought to be. Um, and... Uh, and I think that as you continue to reach mastery as a teacher yourself or in your program, writing things down so that you can access them again later yeah. and share them mm-hmm. uh, with other people is really vital. Yeah. And uh, you know what? I, I feel like I need to say this. Um, I don't believe in trade secrets um, in teaching. I believe it's open source. Sure. I think that uh, every kid everywhere should have um, access to a high quality education and i think that we need to share freely it's something that i really appreciate about our community it's like Mm -hmm. yeah and 
and I'm not talking about people who write curriculum or, or sell stuff on teachers, pay teachers. Like if you're sharing resources and you know, fine, get paid for your, your work. But, um, if somebody, if a colleague comes to me and needs help, I'm going to give it to them, you know? And I, I think that we need to, we need to be generous yeah. with, with our discoveries and not, not feel that sense of competition. Um, but to, to understand that when we work together, we only make each other better. This is might go on a small tangent, but it's it's related. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this guy named Ivan Illich. He uh, wrote this book on decentralizing education, mm-hmm. and one of the things he talks about really is that the structure we have for education is very much that we have a teacher that is kind of like the gatekeeper of education, mm-hmm. and that hinders a lot of things. I'm not even go get too deep, but I think when we start to understand, it's no longer it shouldn't be about the teacher and the students, mm-hmm. but rather breaking those walls down. It's like, hey, we're trying to share. Our um our learning, mm-hmm. and if you can open that up to the, to your coworkers, mm-hmm. it's that much easier to opening up with the children. So that no longer is it the teachers or the students, but it's just knowledge flowing back and forth. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really beautiful. That is beautiful. Um, yeah, I I was talking with a, a director of a nonprofit recently, or a manager of a nonprofit, and uh, we were talking kind of just about teachers and then i i told her like i might be the only millennial teacher at my school and just kind of how i approach education is much different than how Mm -hmm. some of the more senior teachers at my school approach education and we were just kind of chatting about that and just the way we were taught like they were taught like this is what you teach you teach this you teach Mm -hmm. this you teach you don't teach the arts because you're not trained in that and we're Mm -hmm. And, and I've said I've stated this in previous episodes. We're uh, partnered with a uh, program out of the Kennedy Center called Turnaround Arts, and so we're an arts-focused school. And so one of the things that we're trying to do is like all teachers in throughout the children's uh, learning day is that they they get arts mm-hmm. and arts-based instruction. And so it's just kind of that that thought process of like this is what we do like we 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 do flow we do flow that knowledge between student and teacher and it's okay as a teacher to not have an answer Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. it's absolutely okay Mm -hmm. and that's just part of growing and i think if we we teach our students through the thought like unconsciously like well i have all the answers you have none of the answers because you're a student Mm -hmm. that's super harmful but rather this this rapport and this relationship that we have with students like you know what I don't know where the word friendship comes from. I had that today with one of my students. <laughs> they asked me, well, where does friendship come from? I'm like, you know what? That's a great question. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can look it up and let you know. Or you can look it up and let me know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and just being okay with being vulnerable. And I think that that's what, what growing pains are. Mm-hmm. are just being vulnerable as teachers and as educators. And I think... We have a beautiful thing within the music teacher community in Chula Vista, and partially why we're sharing um, this podcast is to be vulnerable, to be willing to be like, you know what, I didn't do this well. Mm-hmm. I didn't do my musical well, you know, in comparison to others. But that's okay. Like, my kids had never experienced that before, and mm-hmm. so now they have. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we'll I just, do better next time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We'll mm-hmm. do better next time. And I'll do better next time. And like, we're just, we're, we're learning. And there's no one person that has all the, all the answers in any specific field. And, and I don't know about you guys, but when I signed up to be a music teacher, 
I didn't realize that I'd have to be an event planner. <laughs> that I'd have yeah. to be like a personal assistant sometimes to mm-hmm. certain people. And like I'd have to do this and I have to do that. I have to figure out, oh, well, I have to be an organizer. I have to be, you know, uh, I have to plan all these visual things. Be a secretary. Uh, right, absolutely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Counselor. Yeah. Right. Oh, you know? that too. And, and there are just so many things that, so many hats that we wear, especially at Title I schools. And... Mm-hmm. I just think that it's such a such an important thing to know that it's okay to have growing pains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's okay to not be perfect. Yeah. Nobody is. Right. Yeah. Some of us are closer than, you know, others, sure, but we're we're all here to learn from each other. And I think that some people have strengths and other things that you might not. And yeah. you know what? That's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Like <laughs> yeah. it's almost as if like the harmony we create is from chaos. Oh. <laughs> Man, that's a beautiful idea. Yeah. <sighs> we should think of a, how to use chaotic. And <laughs> in harmony. Um, sure. But yeah, no. And so kind of with that thought process of thinking like, you know what? It's okay to maybe fail a little bit. It's yeah. okay to not be perfect mm-hmm. in this, yeah. in this particular field. Using that, what is, can you think of something that maybe you want to tackle within the next year or two mm-hmm. at your site that maybe might be a little bit scary to do now? Well, and and if I can just Please. real quick tag on, um, I was having a conversation with my principal today, Dr. Beverly Prang. She's wonderful. She's such an incredible advocate. Um, an idea that she wants us to communicate to the kids next year explicitly in art and music is that artists have to do the same thing over and over and over again in order to get to a final product Mm. that they're proud of. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, painters do drafts of lots of different paintings. Composers are always changing their pieces and it can take a long time to get to an end product. And we don't expect the kids to do something once and have it be perfect. So why do we expect that of ourselves? Sure. Yeah. So um, ideas that we're going to do for next year. I guess that's mine (laughs) to communicate that and to give myself more grace. Sure. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's something that I've been thinking about recently is acknowledging things that are that I'm doing well, something that I'm good at. Mm-hmm. And um, a colleague of mine asked me to just say three. And I struggled. Mm. I was silent, and then I <laughs> repeated myself, and I was like, oh, I don't do this. I don't, I don't say these things out loud. Mm-hmm. And so I think uh, that's a part of my own reflective pro- process that I want to – improve on and hopefully have that yeah spread around me people acknowledging that you know you're you're good at things it's not it's not always just like the things that you're not good at that you have to improve on it's like okay you you're there Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. these are all good points i think um one thing i want to focus on is like i have a tendency to just constantly try to expand and try to reach out and do other things. I think part of it is also because, possibly because of a fear that what I'm doing right here is not enough or mm-hmm. whatever. And one thing I want to really focus on this next year is digging deep on what we have, digging deep on mm-hmm. the ukuleles, on the bard instruments, not trying to do something new, not trying something exciting, but hey, as Crystal is saying, it takes time. Mm-hmm. And having these kids hone in on those skills, no, I, um, yeah, hone in on those skills and just really create art where they're at. No longer just trying to expand to the next thing, but dig deep. 
Yeah. Well, that's understandable, too, coming from the background we come from, building programs where there was nothing. Yes. For so long, okay. the focus of the program was, how do I get instruments? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do I <laughs> Yeah. How do I, how do I stake a claim? How do I decorate a room? How do I make it, you know, how do I make music an integral part of the community? I think we're getting there. And so how do we take it deeper? That's a mm-hmm. mindset shift. That's yeah. important. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. I think that's super important for us us four and then music teachers in our district and across the country who might mm-hmm. be in a similar situation whereas as you said crystal it's like well we've introduced it we have this we have buy-in now mm-hmm. you know if you've been at your site for a couple years or a year or so but you feel that you have that buy-in how do i make it more meaningful instead of just this flash and pizzazz like mm-hmm. well this is what music is like let's celebrate it but yeah. now it's like okay well now that we know mm-hmm. How can we take what we've refined or what we've learned and refine it more? How can we add more musical things mm-hmm. to to our skills? Um, and I just think that that's more that's something that I think that we're always going to have as educators are these growing pains. But as long as we we recognize that this is not a a profession that should be done alone, mm-hmm. like we're not created to do life alone. So why would we be created to do teaching alone where we're constantly you know pouring out our heart and ourselves to all these students or if we don't get filled back up between between friends and colleagues and whatnot like we'll have nothing to give to our students Mm -hmm. and so i don't know like it's okay to ask for help Mm -hmm. if you're out there and you're listening like it's okay to not know but just know like do your best Mm -hmm. reach out and reach out to any of us here at chaotic harmony like we'd be more than happy to to email and just try to help you through whatever it is you're working through and yeah. this a is judgment-free zone absolutely <laughs> we've probably yeah. made that mistake where we've made worse mistakes yeah. you know my first year of teaching i was trying to lecture kindergartners on how to read the staff <laughs> and i look at that i'm like oh pass mark you're so dumb uh-huh. um, but at that point that's what i knew yeah. uh-huh. and you know and i've i've grown as an educator and i know i still have many things to learn and many tricks and many things and mm-hmm. ways to be better as a musician but mm-hmm. it's okay Mm-hmm. I also think if you're to hold ourselves, if we were to teach our students that this is a judge-free zone, the class, music classroom that we enter in, we should hold the same standard to ourselves. Totally. Like, hey, we are also music students. Mm-hmm. We are educators, but we're still students as well. Mm-hmm. We should not think that we're in a judge-free zone. We should That's extend right. ourselves out. I recently started trying to learn a Wynton Marsala solo mm. on my trumpet, okay. and it's in C sharp major. And That's brave. It, it, <laughs> When you forget how to play B sharp for a quick second, it's humbling. <laughs> but sitting there, I'm like, all right, my metronome set for 50 beats per minute, but that's where I need to be to get this yeah. this part, this mm-hmm. lick. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put it at 50, and it's gonna be okay for if that's all I get to today. You know what? I that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. And tomorrow maybe it'll be 55. Mm-hmm. You know, until I get to the 110 where this Sister Cheryl solo is. One day I'll have it. Wow. It's not today, <laughs> but yeah, I just think that's great. Mm-hmm. And thank you guys. Thank um, you for sharing. Mark, Please. this was like beautifully meta, like this whole mm-hmm. conversation. I I'm totally. like in this reflective state and Definitely. like I should I, get the singing bowl out. Ooh, <laughs> yes. But I also want to like give you some props, Mark. Like you're yes. so like you're such a great just like conversationalist, like helping people reflect on on themselves. Well, and I really appreciate that about you. Thank you. I appreciate that. 
Um, Namaste. Namaste. We're going to go ahead and make kind of a hard transition into our spiccato section. Oh, (laughs) and I believe Miss Crystal has a lovely item that she would love to share with you. I have. I found this at the dollar store um, around um, Valentine's Day. It is a giant (laughs) bracelet-sized plastic diamond ring. A giant ring. Isn't that awesome? I saw it, and it was in a package, and it said Jumbo Diamond Ring. And I said, yes, it is. It's and... a little bit smaller than my wife's engagement ring. Oh, <laughs> oh is it now? Um, and it was no. too good of a prop to pass up. So Yeah, I think I just need to put this on so people stop asking yeah. me when I'm getting married. <laughs> it happened, guys. Yeah. Summer break. Look yep. at my hand. Boom! Uh-huh. can see That's that. Awesome. Awesome. Isn't it fun? How How would you use that in the music would room? Would you use that in the music room? You know what I'm thinking? Do say. Is you give one student the ring and they come to the front of the class and the ring is like the all-powerful ring that controls all the (laughs) scarves that the other students have. And so wherever the ring goes, the scarves have to follow. I like that. I I love that. I think (laughs) one person gets the ring and becomes obsessed with it. And that, <laughs> and they have to take it to a volcano. <laughs> That's the goal, not putting it on, but yeah. So, I love that, Zoe. Oh well, just adding on to um, our Lord of the Rings uh, analogy, <laughs> then we move into uh, Drew's volcano arrangement. Yes, please. Ooh, from <laughs> I like. Ooh. Uh, which was level that? two yeah yeah volume two thanks drew thank you drew i like it okay so i use this to bobby mcferrin's hush little baby oh and we pass around the circle and steady beat try to keep the steady beat try to keep the steady beat try to keep the steady beat and he comes in hush little baby don't say a word right no, you gotta keep it going. There you go. And then when it gets to a person, it's like example. musical chairs. Oh, he, I mean, Bobby McFerrin, right? Right. Okay, yeah. So, um, it's musical chairs style. And when I pause it, whoever has the diamond ring has to do a dance move that we all copy. Oh, yeah. I love okay. that. It was really fun. Yeah. I like. So. Also, I've used that song um, as. Love it. Yeah, like body percussion. I think there's like a. Mm hmm. I don't know if it's well, from Spotlight or something. Like, you can Keith Terry it, you know? Come on, Keith Terry. You know. I know. Well, that's because you didn't come to the workshop. Attend the workshops, bro. I was sick. Doesn't matter. Too bad. I was crying. Yeah, it's okay. Um, But anyway, yeah, that's a fun one. Uh, One of my favorite games to play is just to go peruse the aisles of the dollar store. That's cool. (laughs) Yep. Like, how can I use this in music class? Veteran teacher tip. (laughs) Go spend a dollar. Poor teacher tip. Title one, school, no materials, teacher Veteran tip. poor teacher tip. Yeah. <laughs> Go to the dollar store. All right. Well, thank you, Crystal. That's got it. a beautiful ring. I wonder if Thanks. I wonder what the grade on that diamond is. <laughs> I'll take it to my guy. Um, I think we have a round. <laughs> round of the week. Miss Zoe. Yes, please. Let's, um, let's sing uh, Donkeys and Carrots. Oh. Oh. It's a good one. Yeah. Uh, it's a traditional tune. 
and you can well, i i looked it up recently there's no i, I couldn't find a composer to attribute it to so folk. okay folk yeah so uh the fun thing about this one is you can make up your own lyrics mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so uh we can start off with donkeys yeah, and start carrots with the donkeys, okay yeah. uh, mm-hmm. sure why not right. should we just sing it through, just sing it through yeah. yeah okay do it Donkeys are in love with carrots, carrots aren't in love at all. Hee-haw, hee-haw, listen to that loving call. Um, my student's favorite version is um, cell phones. People are in love with cell phones. Cell phones are in love. Beep, boop, beep, boop. Oh, that's yeah, funny. and you can like do the little robot. Oh, you come you up that. with who is in love with what inanimate object. Yes. That's right. Yes. yes, thank you for explaining that's fun. that. Yeah. One thing that I like to do with that, because my school also does that, uh, I have... Well, actually, the students often choose their teacher. Oh. Yeah, te- uh, so like... Who Mr. is yep. Mr. Seligman in love with? Uh, it has been an animal object. So not who, what. What um. is Mr. Seligman in love <laughs> with? So, so like Mr. Marcus is in love with uh, coffee. I think coffee's not in love at all. And then something he always says before he lets the kids go, is, get out of my house. It's a little, you know, it's kind of cheek joke. So That's funny. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. You know, it's the person or animal, then the inanimate object, and then the sound they make. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, which yeah, one are we going to do? very cute. All right, cool. so. Cell phone? Should we sing it as a round? People in yeah, cell phones? Yeah, no, just sing it as a round. Don- donkeys, okay. You want to do four part rounds? Yeah, okay. do it. Okay. Uh, what's our... So together and then... Parts? Oh, together and then four part. Yeah. Go. Donkeys are in love with carrots. Carrots aren't in love at all. Hee-haw, hee-haw, listen to that loving call. Donkeys are in love with carrots. Carrots are in love with carrots. Carrots are in love at all. Donkeys are in love with carrots. Carrots aren't in love at all. Hee-haw, hee-haw, listen to that loving call. Cool. Thanks, awesome. Zoe. That was delightful. <laughs> that was. Um, quick, John, where can people find you in your things at? <laughs> My things. Things. Uh, you can find me on the Twitterverse at Mr. Seligman. That's M-R-S-E-L-I-G-M-A-N. Find me on Twitter at Ms. Kumagai. Find me on Twitter at Finny Vapa and at crystalpridmore.com. Excellent. And you can find me at Mr. Keemer on the Twitterverse. Thank you so much for listening to Chaotic Harmony. We hope that you... Uh, you just feel that it's not you're not alone. And so we just thank you and we'll see you on the next one. Have a good day. The Chaotic Harmony Podcast is a joint project between Crystal Pridmore, Jonathan Seligman, Zoe Kumagai, and Mark Keemer. You can find us online at chaoticharmonyclassroom.com. You can email us at chaoticharmonyclassroom at gmail and let us know what you think. Give us feedback about what you would like to hear in future episodes. We're on all the socials. Find us on facebook.com slash chaoticharmonyclassroom. You can find us on Twitter at chclassroom, Instagram at chaoticharmonyclassroom, and you can even find our episodes on YouTube. Chaotic Harmony is the name of our channel. Special thanks to Brian Pridmore for his help with production and equipment. www.pridmoria.com. 